Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. Welcome to New Story Church. It's Resurrection Sunday, and so we are here to celebrate today. We're celebrating Jesus, and we're just so grateful that we're able to to sing loud, and we have this amazing band up here and production team, and so thank you all so much for that, and thank you all for being here today. You can take a seat. Uh, My name is Scott Lackey. If we haven't met before, I'm the lead pastor here, and thank you for being here with us. I know not many of us dreamed of waking up to a white Easter this morning, but there was snow on the ground today, and uh, it was a different kind of Easter. It's a little cold outside, but we made it. You made it to church, so thank you for being here with us at New Story Church today as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Before we jump into the message today, I just want to give you a couple of of disclaimers, let you in on a couple of things, just so that we all know where we're going this morning. So I guess you could kind of say that this is part of the message, but just a couple things I want to cover before we really jump into things. First of all, if you're someone, somebody kind of, you know, brought you here or just dragged you here this morning and you've never really been to a church or a faith or a religious experience before, just let you know, we we believe here that 2,000 years ago, God became a human. His name is Jesus and that Jesus lived a perfect life. He demonstrated for us what it means to be truly human and demonstrating love and kindness and grace and mercy. And he revealed to us how to live the reality of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus ultimately was crucified on a cross. He was to take on the weight of sin for humanity. He was buried in a grave and then came out of the grave three days later and was resurrected, conquering sin, death, and the grave. And because of that, we have hope and eternal life. Yeah, it's a beautiful message. And that's what we're here to celebrate today. So if you're new to this whole thing, I just want to let you know, yeah, it it sounds a little strange, but I want you to hear today that the resurrected Christ has the power to change your life, that he has the power to change each and every one of our lives, that he loves you, that he cares for you, and that this is a message of hope for every single one of us. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this, is that I know for some of you, you know, you come to church for Christmas or Easter, and we love that. We love that you chose this church as the church that you come to for Easter. Um, Just want to let you know that all people are welcome here. So if you want to continue to join us every Sunday, you're always welcome to be here with us. But also, if you're saying, you know what? No, I'm good. I'm just coming for Easter. I want to let you know that, you know, take a deep breath. I'm going to do everything I can to not make this one of those weird Easter services that you're talking about with your family at the family gathering five years from now when you're all like, remember when we went to that one Easter service? And you're like, yeah, we won't forget that one. You know what I mean? When I was a freshman in high school, I took a friend to an Easter service. And I thought, this is, you know, I'm doing a good thing. This service was almost two hours, maybe even longer than two hours. And then all I remember from the service was there was a guy dressed in like a robe or something. And he dropped to his knees at one point and screamed, at the top of his lungs, wash my body. And as a 15-year-old, I just busted out laughing. I thought, what is happening? This is really strange right now. And that's the only thing I remember about that Easter service that was like 13 years ago. So I'm going to do everything I can. Some of you are saying, Scott, you're a weird guy, so it's just going to be weird. I'm going to do everything I can to not make this one of those services. My goal today is that you would leave inspired, that you would leave encouraged, that you would leave challenged, and that we would all find hope in the resurrected Christ today. So hopefully we can take this journey together and experience the life that Christ has for each and every one of us. And so we're going to be picking up in Luke chapter 24. In the New Testament, it starts with four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we see these books as 
biographies of the life and ministry of Jesus. And we're gonna be in Luke today because Luke gives us a little bit of a different perspective. He gives us a different story with the resurrected Christ where he's journeying and walking with two people who are leaving Jerusalem and on their way to a little town called Emmaus. And that's where we're gonna pick up in Luke 24 today. Luke 24 verses 13 through 16 says this, and behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. So we have these two people who are leaving Jerusalem They're discussing everything that just basically went down. What happened was the crucifixion. And they're they're talking about this. They're leaving Jerusalem, headed towards a small town called Emmaus. It seems like everything is over. It seems like all the action has died down. It just seems like, oh, it's over now. And so they're leaving and going to this little town, journeying away from Jerusalem. And Jesus starts walking alongside of them and they don't even recognize him. And this is a, just a great reminder for us. We're going to eventually learn that but with these two people that are journeying to this small town called Emmaus, one of them, his name is Cleopas, and most likely it's his wife who's journeying with him. But we don't read of them anywhere else in the scriptures, really. We don't really have a reference point for who they are. Uh, seemingly, it seems as if they, they might be insignificant. But to Jesus, nobody is insignificant. Nobody is without value. Every single person in his eyes has value and he went to the cross and gave his life so that every single person may have life. And so you might be here today and you feel as if you've been forgotten by God. You feel insignificant. You feel overlooked. And I want you to hear today that he sees you. And just as Jesus was walking with these two on the road to Emmaus, he's walking alongside of you and he wants to speak so clearly into your life just as he spoke into their lives that he has something for you, that he has not forgotten you. So he's journeying with this Cleopas and his wife to Emmaus. Now, right before this, what happened in Luke 24, verses one through 12, is that Mary, one of Jesus's closest friends, she comes to the tomb that Jesus was buried in. And she gets there and finds that the tomb is empty. She has a conversation with an angel, which is kind of a weird thing to think about. She has a conversation with an angel. And then she goes and she tells Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, hey, his tomb is empty. And so they start, they start wondering and what could have possibly happened. And so these two who are leaving Jerusalem and headed towards Emmaus, they actually are aware of this story. And they're discussing that story, what could, be, what could have happened in the empty tomb, what could happen with the crucifixion. And they're leaving and they're heading away from the epicenter where everything happened, discouraged. So as we journey with these two people today, We're going to walk through this story, and I'm going to call this the three E's of Easter. Now, these are not the three official E's of Easter as established by the church. These are not, you know, this is just the three E's of Easter as according to Scott Lackey from Luke chapter 24. So don't go home, hey, I heard about the three E's of Easter. Somebody's going to say, what are you talking about, the three E's of Easter? It's what we're talking about at New Story today. So the three E's of Easter from Luke 24 as we journey with this couple as they head towards Emmaus with Jesus. And the first E of Easter is Exodus. If you're taking notes, write that down, Exodus. This word Exodus means to depart from one place to another. Some of you, you'll recognize this word immediately. Some of you, you're aware of the Exodus story 
because you grew up in church and you heard the Exodus story. It's the second book in the Old Testament. Some of you are familiar with the Exodus story because you grew up with the movie, The Prince of Egypt, and you're familiar with that. Some of you might've watched some of the older movies, you know, 10 Commandments and those movies that tell the story of the Exodus. Or some of you might be familiar with the Exodus story because you've heard Joe Rogan talk about how he thought Moses was on DMT when he was at the burning bush. Like, I don't know how you've heard of this story, but this is a very popular story. Somebody thought that was funny, thank you. But it is, it, so this is story, the Exodus story, is a story of the Israelite people who were under oppression. They were under slavery in Egypt, the most powerful force in the world at the time. They were under Pharaoh's rule. They were enslaved and God raises up this leader named Moses. And there's a lot more that happens in the story. Go check it out for yourself. But God raises up this leader, Moses, to go and confront Pharaoh. And then eventually Moses leads the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. It's the story of the Exodus to depart from one place to another. When we pick up uh, in the timeline of Jesus, the Jewish people were waiting for basically a new Exodus. The Exodus story was a story that had inspired them. The Exodus story has inspired many people throughout history. It's inspired Christians. It's inspired the Jewish faith. It's inspired even just people in general who have felt before like they were under oppression, who, 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 who were actually enslaved and said, no, there is freedom available for all people. This is a story that's been inspiring humanity forever and ever. <laughs> And so these people in this moment in the first century, though, they would be looking back on the Exodus and waiting for God to bring about a new Exodus. Because while they were in Jerusalem, they were still under Roman rule and they were believing that they were going to one day depart out of Roman rule and one day be restored in Jerusalem and be basically a superpower in the world. They were hoping for a political or military Messiah to show up to overthrow Rome and restore them that they could have a new exodus. They would look back on that story from Moses and use it as inspiration for the Messiah who would one day come and lead them out of Roman, of Roman rule and become the nation that they had once felt they were called to be and who they wanted to be. They were looking for a new exodus. And we actually see this in their conversation with Jesus because as Jesus is walking along with them, Jesus looks at them and says, why do you look sad? And this is their response in Luke 24, verses 18 through 21. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? Jesus is like that person that you start talking to about current events. You're like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking? Jesus is asking, they're like, do you guys, Jesus, do you not? They don't know it's Jesus at the time, but they're like, sir, do you not know about what just happened here? There's like this whole crucifixion thing and it was this big deal. Do you not know? And Jesus keeps playing with them. He looks at them and he says, what things? What are you talking about? I mean, you, you were the one who was crucified, but he's, you know, he's, he's messing with them. He says, what things? And they, and they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in word and in the sight of, mighty in word and in the sight of God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. This is what our hope was. We were hoping that he was gonna be the one to redeem Israel, that just as God delivered the Israelites with Moses through Exodus, that he was gonna bring about a new Exodus and through him, Israel was going to be redeemed. This is what we were hoping for. They were looking for the wrong kind of exodus. And as I was preparing for this message, 
There's something that I've been wanting to say for quite some time, and it fits right here, right now, because I think that there are times where we have been looking for the wrong exodus. There are times where we've been looking for the wrong type of deliverance, and what we're missing out on is the fact that we have already been delivered. Uh, let me, let me can, can I share with you something that I hear church people saying a lot that really has been starting to irritate me, and I hear church leaders say it as well? Can I share it? Or I'm going to share it anyway, so I guess I shouldn't ask for your permission, but I'm going to share this. And if you have said this to me before, I don't think anybody here has said this to me before, but if you have said this to me before, I, I love you dearly. I just disagree with you. But here, here's something that I've heard a lot of people say specifically over the past two years and specifically people within the church. They say this, well, you know, the world's just going to keep getting worse and worse. I mean, the scriptures say it's just going to keep getting worse. My question is this, why are you living like it's Friday when Sunday has happened? Why are, you, why, are you living, why are you living this way? Why are you choosing to act as if death has won the day when the resurrected king is the one who has come back from the grave? Why are we saying, oh, it's just gonna keep getting worse when through Christ, new life has now been made possible. A new way has now been made possible. You know what I've noticed sometimes? It's a lot easier to sit back and point a finger and criticize the world than it is for us to get off of our behind and do something about it. I know that's, that's probably be the harshest thing I, I'll say this morning, but that it's, it's much easier to say, oh, the world's in the world. Well, maybe we are in the world to change the world, not just complain about it and say, oh, Jesus, come back. Maybe we should stop telling Jesus when it's time for him to come back and we should just entrust that he has us right here, right now so that we can be like him that we are to bring light to the world, but we get caught up. We start looking for the wrong exodus. We think, oh, if, th if this political leader can just get in office, then everything's gonna be okay. Oh, if I can just get these material possessions and if I, and if I can, you know, if I can just, you know, build this stuff up and build up my platform and build it, then, then everything's going to be okay. If, if, you know, if the church can do that, everything, and we just start looking for the exodus in all the wrong places. When the exodus has already arrived in Christ, that because of his resurrection, we can be brought from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. But when we're brought into the kingdom of light, it's not just so that we sit around, oh, this light feels good. No, it's because we are then to be bringers of light, to be bringers of hope. People say, oh, it's time for the church to wake up. Yes, it is time for the church to wake up and for us to start living as if we are resurrected people and stop living like it was Friday. We shouldn't be the people who are the most discouraged people in the world. Oh, you know, the world's just this and the world's just that. And, you know, the world. No, no, no. We are the people who have a message of life and light and hope, and we carry that with us to make a difference. We are people who have been delivered, so let's start living like it and bring that message of delivery to those that we find in our lives. A new exodus has arrived in Christ. And he continues to explain this to them as he's walking on the road with them. He continues to spend some time with them and they still don't know that it's Jesus yet. But he says this to them in Luke chapter 24, verses 25 through 27. He said, oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. He's letting them know that Christ didn't necessarily come to rescue people from suffering, but he has rescued us through his suffering. 
And as we talked about last week, we have a savior who can sympathize with us. Hebrews 4 reminds us of that. And as he walks with us, as we experience what he experienced is stress and betrayal and rejection. He feels with us in those moments and he's walking with us in those moments so that we can see that while those things hurt and while they are real, they don't have to master us because he is the one who has mastered death itself that we have a new life to experience, that there's a new exodus in him from darkness to light. So let's stop focusing on the wrong thing. And when we keep our eyes on him, we will see that a new exodus has already begun. Which brings us to our second E of Easter, experience. Experience. As soon as we see, start to see Jesus for who he is, we will then have an experience with him as well. And it's an experience that is beginning to change us to become who it is that he has designed us and intended us to be. Jesus keeps walking with these two on the road to Emmaus. And they, he was initially going to, you know, kind of dodge and, and move on. And they said, no, 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 stay with us. Have a meal with us. And it's, it's crazy to me that Jesus decides to eat a meal with them because from the resurrection to the ascension into heaven, Jesus has 40 days, basically, 40 days. And he chooses to continue to spend time with these people who nobody really ever knew. He continues to spend time with them and invest in them. It's a reminder to all of us that Christ looks at you and believes that you are worth investing in. It's why he gave his life for you. And so he continues to invest in them and he eats a meal with them. He could have been any other place, but he chooses to be with them. And as he's, as he's explaining the scriptures to them and having this conversation with them, this is when they start to have an experience with him and they start to see him for who he truly is. Look at this in Luke chapter 24. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us? He said, were not our, eyes, were our hearts burning with us? And in the scriptures tell us, Luke tells us that their eyes were opened. They then saw him for who he was. They saw, oh, this is the Messiah. Oh, this explains some things. This is why the tomb was empty when Mary got there. This is why the tomb was empty when Peter, oh, this is what's going on. And they begin to see him and he sits down and he breaks. And I believe this is when they noticed him for who he was because when they broke the bread, they would have most likely broken it this way and they would have noticed on his wrists, the scars in his wrists. This is him. This is why our hearts were burning within us when he was explaining the scriptures to us. This is when things start to come together and everything is starting to make sense with, for them. When we begin to see Jesus in light of the new exodus, that he's the one who's brought us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, when we start to have this experience with him, it will change reality forever. It will totally and completely change our reality. This part of the story where Jesus does this with them and they see him for who he is, this is the part of the story that drastically changes reality. It's like any of our favorite movies or stories. It's that one thing that happens, that fulfillment, that key piece that changes reality. It's like when Luke finds out that Vader is his father, you know, it completely changes reality for him. Oh my goodness, I'm fighting the villain. It changes reality. So it changes how he acts. It's, a, it's like the moment when Iron Man snaps his fingers. It 
changes reality. Everything changes. For my Toy Story friends, it's like when Sid realizes toys can talk in Toy Story. It changes reality and he's gonna stop torturing toys because that's not the right thing to do. It's like in Ace Ventura when he says, Einhorn is Finkel and Finkel is Einhorn. It changes reality for all my friends who love stupid 1990 Jim Carrey movies and he just announced that he's retiring from acting, which is so sad, but we have a resurrected king, so we're gonna celebrate. But anyways... (laughs) And I did see Sonic 2 already, by the way. You know, thank you. But so it's that moment in the story where reality changes. Everything is different. You see things differently. They now see, oh my goodness, something is happening now. Our eyes are opened. And this brings us back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. Because in Genesis 1 and 2, God creates everything. It is good. Then in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve decide to eat from the tree that they're not supposed to eat from. And and Genesis 3 says their eyes are opened. And that in Genesis chapter 3, it's the first meal, if you want to call it a meal, that we read of in the scriptures. And it's at that meal that evil, death, sorrow, and decay are introduced into the human story. It's at that meal that their eyes are opened to the evil and sin of humanity. It's at that moment that their eyes are opened and they're vulnerable and exposed and separated from God. that's That's the meal that opens humanity's eyes to death. But then at this meal, in Luke 24, this is the first meal of new creation. And it's at this meal that the two on the road to Emmaus, their eyes are now open to realize that there's another way to live. There's another way of experiencing life, that there's new life and abundant life that's available in Christ, that we thought we were looking for this exodus. Oh, but it's something even better than that. There is now freedom and life and hope and light available for all of humanity, where the first meal of the scriptures introduces death and decay. This first meal of new creation brings about life. It brings about kingdom life, it brings about abundant life, and it brings about a new hope for all of humanity to experience. This meal is the meal, this breaking of bread with these two people on the road to Emmaus is the message to every single one of us that new reality, new possibilities, and new life are available for every single human in Christ. Their eyes are open in this experience with Jesus. We have Exodus experience And then the third E of Easter, empowered. Once we've seen Jesus for who he is and we have an experience with him, he then empowers us to become the type of people that he intended us to be as he restores the image of God within us. These two are walking on the road to Emmaus, discouraged, sad, and empty. But after they have an experience with Jesus, they return to Jerusalem and they're no longer empty, but now they are empowered. They are empowered with a new message. They are empowered with a new perspective to see that reality has now changed forever. Because while they were leaving sad, they are now the ones who return to Jesus as disciples. And they start saying, you would not believe what we just experienced. You would not believe what we just saw. We had this experience with Jesus and they are empowered now with a message. They are empowered with a new purpose. They are empowered with a new perspective, a new way of seeing the world. And they tell Jesus, and then Jesus shows up to his disciples 
And at first, they're kind of skeptical. Like, what's actually going on here? Are you actually Jesus? And then Jesus is like, listen, listen, not a ghost, not a hologram. This is a physical body. And he, and he shows them the scars in his, in his wrists and they start to see this is him. And his disciples have an experience with him and they start to see things the way that they truly are in this new reality that Christ has now made possible. And just as Christ empowered these two on the road to Emmaus with a new message, he then empowers his disciples. Luke 25 verses 45 through Luke 24, I'm sorry, verses 45 through 49 says this, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, just like he did with the other two. He opened their minds to see in the scriptures that all of this is pointing to me. We talked about in our series back in January, if you're a cross vision, that it all points to him. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. He's letting them know this is written he probably also let them know, guys, I, I kind of told you about this multiple times. And, you know, he said, I, I told you this was going to happen. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He's saying, stay here and I'm going to send power to you. Then we read that after his ascension, he sends the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, we read about a church that's been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't just give us an experience with him and then say, oh, just go figure things out. He actually empowers us with his Holy Spirit to become who it is that he's designed us and intended us to be. And just as he empowered the disciples, he's empowered every one of us who call upon his name by the power of his Holy Spirit. And from now on, when people come to me and, and they'll say, oh, it's just bad, it's just gonna keep getting worse. I'll listen for a little bit. But my question is why? Why are you choosing to live in that reality? Why are you choosing to live as if it's Friday when Sunday has happened? Maybe instead of always getting so wrapped up and I can't wait for what's next, Maybe it's time for us as the church to embrace that new life can be experienced now. If the resurrection was just meant to get us to another world, then why did it happen in this one? If the resurrection was just meant to get us to another world, then why did it happen in this one? It's because there's a message and reality of the kingdom that we can live in now. And within that, we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be people who walk in kindness, to be people who walk in gentleness, to be people who display love and mercy and hope and grace and truth, that we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit in this reality, not just to experience light, but to then bring light. This is who we are, church, and this is who we are called to be. And that's why Paul would go on to write this in Colossians chapter one, verses 13 through 14. For he, that is Jesus, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is Exodus language. We have been brought from one place into a new place. We have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. This is what has happened when we experience Christ to depart from one place to another. So my, my prayer for us this Easter is that we would be people who celebrate, that we would live the victorious life in Christ because he has victory over the grave. He has victory over death. 
And because of that, there's a new life for us to experience that we don't have to live with our heads down all the time, but we can live with a new life and new perspective and we can bring light to wherever it is we find ourselves. We can do that because there is the truth of a new exodus. He has brought us from light to darkness. And when we experience that and we experience Jesus and we see him for who he is, he empowers us to become the people and to become the church that is going to bring light and hope and life. This isn't just a message just for us, it's a message just for others. Let's be the church. Let's be the people who live in the power and the perspective of the resurrection. If you would please bow your heads and join me for prayer in this moment. Jesus, we thank you that you gave your life so that we could have life. You said greater love has no one than he who lays down his life for his friends. And you didn't just state that standard, but you then also set that standard by demonstrating that for us. You gave your life so that others may have and experience life. I pray Jesus for everyone here today, wherever they find themselves in their faith journey, if they're feeling discouraged, may you encourage them. If they're feeling like they're being beat down, may you build them up. If they're feeling like they're in a if they're feeling like they're in a moment where they can't experience joy in life, may they hear you speaking so clearly and closely into their lives right now and see that you are walking with them just as you were walking with those two on the road to Emmaus. And you will gently and patiently walk with us until we experience the life that you have for us. I pray, Jesus, for everyone here today. If there's anyone here today, everyone heads down and eyes closed, and you've never given your life to Jesus where you feel as if you've been living in darkness, living under something that's been keeping you back, living under something that's holding you down, living under sin itself, and you wanna be set free today. I invite you to pray this prayer. You say it in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. This is the beginning of a conversation between you and him where he will then begin to show you the life that he has in store for you. You'll let go of some things, you'll embrace some new things, but there's a new life that he has for you. It's not filled with death and decay, but it's filled with life and life abundantly. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, I pray for everyone here today. If there's anyone here in this moment who just prayed that they're giving their life to you, may they feel your presence in such a real way in this moment and feel that it is your hope and your life that is speaking to them. And I pray for all of us here today that we would embrace what it means to live as empowered people for your kingdom, that we would bring about your kingdom work, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that we would move forward into the victorious life that the resurrection speaks to, Lord. In your name I pray, amen.